Ride Show. Welcome to the Scott Horton Show. I'm the director of the Libertarian Institute, editorial director of Antiwar.com, author of the book Fool's Errand, Time to End the War in Afghanistan, and the brand new Enough Already, Time to End the War on Terrorism. And I've recorded more than 5,500 interviews since 2003, almost all on foreign policy and all available for you at scotthorton.org. You can sign up for the podcast feed there. And the full interview archive is also available at youtube.com slash Show. All right, you all on the line. I've got my good buddy Diego Rivera from bringourtroopshome.us and defendtheguard.us. Welcome back to the show, Diego. How you doing, man? Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Hell yeah. Happy to have you here. Tell me some news, buddy. Well, um, in general, um, we've been moving this bill in states where we haven't yet. So I'm pretty confident about moving it in places like Tennessee, Alaska, other places, little drops in the bucket to where um, it's it's going to be like holdout states that won't have it introduced by the end of this. And then the big one is we got Defend the Guard on the primary ballot here in Texas. No way. Way way as a okay so well okay first of all i'm getting ahead of myself i want to ask the second question first no tell the people what is defend the guard first so defend the guard is simple legislation uh that says that without a formal declaration of war from congress as prescribed in the constitution article 1 section 8 clause 11 right, that the states will prohibit their National Guard from deploying into overseas active combat. All right. And so um, now tell us, on the primary ballot, what do you mean? It just means it'll be a referendum <clears throat> statewide that happens to coincide with the primary elections <clears throat> instead of the Yeah, state? the primary. So, so if you're voting Republican in Texas, which is a good chunk of Texas, uh, you will have this on your ballot. And so, well, I guess I'm I'm confused then. So it ain't for a law. It's for inside the Republican Party to... It's a ballot uh, proposition. And essentially what this tells the lawmakers is, let's say, um, 85%, 90% say they support this. This tells the lawmakers, hey, 90% of your constituents want Defend the Guard passed. I see. So this is a referendum inside the Republican Party of Texas. Correct. I see. And so what's your strength look like there? What do you think? Well, the good part is, is that some of the weakest ballot propositions that have come forward still get about 75 percent. So this is not a weak one. This is a big deal to everyone. This is a, this is a big deal. And here's the thing. I was at the convention. So, uh -huh. you know, we were, we were moving this and I was I was talking to the folks of, uh, you know, the it's like the state Republican uh, executive committee, which is like the SREC. And this is where resolutions, ballot propositions, all of this stuff, the Republican uh, party comes together to get all this stuff squared away. As I'm explaining this, um, everybody, it just made sense to them. And the easiest part was like, why can't we focus on our border rather than Ukraine's and that they, everybody like they threw up their hands and yelled, hallelujah. Yeah. Uh, so they were they were about it. We also managed to get um, the 
the Republican chair of Texas, uh, Matt Rinaldi, also uh, supported it as well. So we have the Texas chair uh, is behind this uh, Defend the Guard ballot proposition. He said he supports it. Okay, so when is this vote that we're talking about? This will be the primaries uh, early next year. In what, January, February, March? I believe March 2024. Mm -hmm. Whenever the Texas primary is, that's when you're going to see Defend the Guard on the ballot. Oh, man. And you know, well, obviously, this is a huge one. Donald Trump's presence in this thing means that turnout is going to be at its absolute peak, right? Interest yeah. and involvement and everything. This is not Bush versus Gore, man. This is Trump versus the world. So the and the level of fame and the level of controversy that he brings to everything is just absolutely blows the top off of the thermometer kind of a deal, you know? So, um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, very interesting. So I guess my next question then would be what all is DefendTheGuard.us doing to influence the Republican Party other than, as you just said, you attended the convention and talked with all the guys there and all that. What about between now and March? What's the program to make sure that this happens? And, and, and then further, to make legislators commit that if it passes in the Republican primary ballot, that they are going to introduce it, even in the Senate, that they're going to do everything they can to force Dan Patrick to at least let him have a hearing mm -hmm. on the floor. For people not familiar, the lieutenant governor of Texas is the real power. The governor is basically a ceremonial position here uh, relative to the power of the lieutenant governor. So that's Dan Patrick. He's the boss, and he could be made to be on our side. We saw it happen with constitutional carry. Boy, I tell you, Diego, he did not want constitutional carry. But the organized gun owners of Texas, they were like, listen, you don't have a choice at all. And right, that's it. I mean, we do vote in a block and we can ruin all of y'all and we're committed. So you're going to pass it. And he cried uncle and gave in. He was made to give in to what? To democracy, to the people yeah. of Texas, demanding their right to bear arms. So same thing here, man. How about demanding your right to keep your son home safe from a war? unless the Congress is willing to take responsibility for sending them to one. I couldn't agree more. Um, and then this is the beauty. I mean, they're essentially the job of the grassroots is to create angry voters. And if there is a mass consensus of angry voters, this goes back to last time when I was here talking about the school, talking about borrowing institutional support. That's the reason we go to the American legions. That's the reason we go to the ACLU as well. And that's why they, they both support our legislation. But the reason that we have that is we're taking institutional power, presenting it in front of them and saying, like, you might be against Diego, you might be against bring our troops home. But are you against the American Legion? And so we're just applying that, that Horton rule, right, of saying, okay, you're super, you're Yosemite Sam incarnate on the right. Cool. Now you're going to have to vote against the American Legion. What say you now? And so this just kicks it up to another level where it's the narrative of the veteran is there. Now, having this on the ballot, I truly believe 
uh, we can get 85%, 90% of people to vote for this without any, I mean, just the, the people just understood this. I didn't have to go crazy in the detail about like, no, but you see, but this, as soon as they heard it, they just sprang up and said, I love it. Yep. There wasn't a person that I said it was like, well, hold on now. What's it say about title 10? It's just on an instinctual level. Some of them are overwhelmed with joy that it even exists because most people don't think like this. So the fact that you're even presenting them, just like Mm -hmm. you could see it, there's like an excitement Mm -hmm. in their face. Like I'm giving Mm -hmm. them, it's like a a psychic salve to their wounds, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, they, they absolutely love this. And I, I think, you know, and here's the thing in my head, I can just see, reminding the voters before election time there's a really good clip of tucker carlson grilling greg abbott that says you don't think that they parade you up and down the streets as a hero if you took some of these guys and put them on the border rather than let's say focusing them in ukraine or afghanistan or in iraq you don't think that they'd worship you you don't think that the the average texan would just worship you if instead of focusing on ukraine's borders you focused on your own and put your national guard there because the the governor did say, well, we can't be we can't put them all at the border because, again, we're too busy in all these endless wars. And Tucker just grills them. And so who's a better face to just push that back to the Republican constituency and be like a big mouthpiece for the Republican Party would be Tucker Carls and yep. just reminding them, hey, this is that that thing that he that thing that Tucker was talking about. Mm-hmm. That's the solution right here. Yeah. And so I think that that from just what I've seen, uh, it's it's uh, uh, I think it'll do really well, really yeah. well. Look, Jacob, I think I told you before that I supported Iraq War One just for the fun of the thing when I was 15 in ninth grade. It was, I just want to see some explosions and some fighter bombers and things, man. I know you understand. I get it. Um, but I remember that President Bush said, I have a UN resolution that says I can go to war and I don't need the Congress. And some in Congress howled and said, we promise to give you the rubber stamp, but we demand that you go through the ceremony of letting us rubber stamp your war here. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting into an argument, I guess, with my teachers about this. That, wait a minute, you guys just taught us about how the founding fathers made sure that only Congress could declare war. And now you're telling me that this is right because of the UN charter or something? I know that that's not right. And I wasn't raised to be very right-wing and reactionary. I was just going off of what they told me, what the law was supposed to be. And I think that that speaks to probably everybody, right? Like, that's what people do know about the Constitution, is I got the right to bear arms, and I got the right to a lawyer, and only Congress can can declare war, right? Like, wait, not everybody knows everything in there, but these are some of the most basic things. Torture is banned, right? And, and presidential wars are banned by the U.S. Constitution. And so all you're doing is saying, I just came home from the wars and I think we need to start obeying the law now. I don't yeah, know, Diego, I, I, I that seems even, fair to even, me. I don't even think it's knowledge of the constitution. Like some people that don't even understand, and it's not a knock, but like, you know, Dan was on Jimmy Dore show and he started talking about the 10th amendment and Jimmy Dore's like, what's that? So it's not even knowledge of the constitution that would make you go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah rah, rah, rah. And here's the, I love Jimmy. That's not a knock, but 
you don't even have to make pretend to know the constitution to be like, this makes sense. I don't care what it is. I want this. And yeah. it, the fact that it's going to be before the Republican voters come here in Texas, which is a deep red state. Uh, I predict that this is going to do really well, man. I do too. Okay. So listen, you mentioned the Horton rule. I didn't name it that Michael Bolden named it that yeah. this, yeah. this just comes from all my experience driving a cab. Cause I'm a libertarian and I met every single person in the world before. Okay. That was my job. And so what I figured out, and it's a pretty obvious truth, but maybe people just never thought of this before is everybody's good on something. So if you're a libertarian and therefore good on everything, then you can find where people are good on something, agree with that, nail that down, and then extrapolate from there. That actually freedom is the answer to all of these questions, isn't it? And so we can be better than the left on the things that the left is good on. And we can be better than the right on the things that the right is good on without being more left wing or more right wing than them. We just be ourselves. And, right. and we're the defenders of all things good and, and the opposers of all things aggressive and evil and which distort our wonderful free market economy that we're supposed to have. And so um, that's the ticket here. That's what's happening here is Dan McKnight, Diego Rivera. These guys came home from George Bush's wars. And Barack Obama's wars and said, okay, we're going to stand for the Constitution. And unlike the kind of mythology of the Vietnam War era, everybody's seen the Oliver Stone movie, Born on the Fourth of July, where the idea is you come home from the war and then become a dirty, stinking, commie, hippie, drug abuser and oppose the war. Well, thanks a lot, Oliver Stone, but that's actually not really the best message to send. In fact, how about you got all these guys who came home from the war and they didn't move left at all. Diego Rivera and Dan McKnight and their team, these guys haven't moved left. They're libertarians and conservatives, constitution guys, Republican Party guys, always have been. And um, and they're the ones leading this. So that is the my preface to my call to all the anti-war veterans in this audience, especially in Texas, but around this country too. That, listen, man, this is something that you guys can get involved in with a bunch of really great guys who are already on your team. You know what I mean? It's something that where you can really help move the needle in a way that is, one, on in any given state where this passes, you're saving a guy's life. Right? Rubber meets the road there. But on top of that, this is an earthquake in American society. That conservatives and constitutionalists and libertarians are using the Republican Party to introduce this anti-war legislation invoking George Washington's Constitution and the law of who is responsible for sending these guys to war and whether we're going to obey the law or let our government run riot around the world the way that they have. And when, by the way, we haven't won a war since 1945. So, you know what I mean? It's... This, to me, um, I'd almost go back in time and join the Army just so I could say that I'm with you guys on this. I can only just cheer for you and, and celebrate what you guys are doing and, and beseech anti-war veterans in the audience to join with Bring Our Troops Home and Defend the Guard, uh, both yeah. .us and 
you know, people are always going, yeah, but what can we do? Man, here is really something. Look at Diego Rivera and what he is doing, y'all. Right? Yeah. And, and so one, I just want to say you you brought this up in Maine, which was like, hey, guys, you know, if we would have had defend the guard passed here in Maine, we wouldn't have been able to send them to Iraq. You ever think about that? And that caught people, you know, they caught them off guard too. I really want to bring this up because it's super important. So uh, around early mid-August here in Texas, we did a meeting and there was the people from the Republican Liberty Caucus of Texas. And there was the Libertarian Party and the Mises Mm -hmm. Caucus guys from Texas. They showed up to our school and they sat down and they learned some of this strategy that we were talking about last time I was on. But the thing is, is that we taught them this in August. Come now December, right? We're talking about early December, right? These guys got it put forward as a ballot proposition and they applied the tools of what we taught them in August. And we're talking about in four months, these guys went from being, I don't know, very passionate, but maybe not structured logistically of how to make change. Whereas like, you know, when you're passionate, you sign wave. But when you're tactical, you do things like this and this has a, a greater effect. So it's more pound for pound. You know, you can really take a pound to flush if you do this right. And so we're talking about in a four month time, these guys came together. They did all of the stuff that we taught them, which was like to build out a list, see where people stood. They contacted them. They did phone banks. They were sending mass mailers. They were texting them. They were calling their personal cell phones. And when I was there in person talking to each one of the members of the body, they were saying, yeah, I've received so much contact over and over. I've got phone calls, texts, emails. You know, people have been contacting me, educating me on this, saying that they support it. I haven't seen anyone call me, say that they're against it. So I guess what? I'm just for it. And they did this and, and they took all these skills. So like the Texas RLC really showed up big time here in Texas and, and really just played out the strategy. So the guys here in Austin did, uh, they they were super helpful with being there on the ground. Even some some of the some of the Yao guys were there. They were present as well, and they helped out. Uh, and the Texas RLC showed up big time. Did the grassroots things. Did the things that we taught them in August. Put that into play, and it's just amazing that in a four month time, these guys learned how to be like really effective. And now it's on the ballot in Texas. And this is kind of like what I was telling people was that. Once you learn these tools, there wasn't a whole bunch of them. You know, we didn't have, you know, 500 people in a room doing some. We're talking about if there's 10, 15 people moving forward, making phone calls, sending emails, blasting out texts, all of this stuff. That's enough to to communicate. Oh, we better do the right thing. And you know that you can get 10 to 15 people or five to 10 people together long enough to do this. And this is what I'm saying is that this wasn't a miracle. This was the product of teaching people what it is to do and applying grassroots in a way that's smart and just makes sense. And that this is the consequence. This isn't, this didn't blow my mind that this happened. I'm ecstatic. I'm more ecstatic about the fact that people are using the stuff that we're teaching them because it works. That's the whole thing is I, to me, I was like, wow, I can't believe this happened. I'm just like, I'm happy that they're using the tools we taught them. Yeah. Hey guys, Scott here for Leo Hamill Fine Jewelers out of San Diego at JewelryStoreSD.com. They do business nationwide. They sell jewelry and watches, specializing in engagement rings. 
you know, in case you're in love with somebody. They also specialize in one-of-a-kind vintage and antique jewelry, fully serviced pre-owned fine watches, such as Rolex, Patek, Philippe, Cartier, and any high-end brand. Leos also services high-end watches faster and cheaper than going to a factory service center. Leos takes all the stress out of shopping for jewelry and engagement rings, and always at the right price. They deal nationwide over the phone at 619-299-1500. That's Leo Hamill Fine Jewelers out of San Diego. Go to JewelryStoreSD.com to check out their fine selection and to find out more. Hey y'all, LibertasBella.com is where you get Scott Horton Show and Libertarian Institute shirts, sweatshirts, mugs, and stickers and things, including the great Top Lobsters designs as well. See, that way it says on your shirt why you're so smart. Libertas Bella, from the same great folks who bring you Ammo.com for all your ammunition needs too. That's LibertasBella.com. Man, that's really great. So, um, it's been a few years. Can you tell us some of, you know, the core lessons you mentioned, a few of the, your tactics there, but what are the core lessons driving the message that you teach and the, the method that you teach in these classes? Again, this is all just activism. How to get the Defend the Guard legislation passed in your state classes is what we're talking about here, right? So, but hundred uh, percent. Yeah. So, so what, what, what is things it that, that really informs the way that you inform your new recruits here? Is is one is is kind of you kind of have to take a new pill. And the problem is, is that for a lot of libertarians, their political philosophies at ten, their political strategies is zero. And so our class, the political leadership school, essentially what it is, is we teach you, uh, you know, we teach you a model of doing confrontational politics through grassroots activism. And that comes through a couple different steps is one, seeing politics for what it is, not what you perceive it to be. And then talking about different things, um, creating leadership, understanding what to do with what you have where you're operating out of like let's say if you're how to work with people that are inside of the capital how to work outside of the capital to put pressure on the inside of the capital and then understanding that you have to you have to go out there and do things because it you can get mad during let's say the legislative season when they vote wrong but if you don't come after them for you know throughout the election season they really didn't face any real opposition like if you're not taking scalps during election season you're really not doing your job. And so we go into this and I say it's it's 75 percent uh, just understanding tactics and doing this. And, you know, 25 percent, like a little bit of a sermon to realize you've been doing this wrong, but you can do this right and you can get squared away. And that's almost a red pill in itself is just really understanding the real nature of how politics really works and taking the blinders off and say you can do this. And uh, what we've seen is just gigantic turnarounds from people that that take this class and they do things like this. And this is where you start to, to see this. You know, this is why Arizona was victorious. We had wins in Montana and in New Hampshire and all of these places was because the same thing that we were teaching got applied and it turned out exactly how we said it would turn out. So that's that's really what it is. And it's a nine to five class and people don't believe me, but. I would just say, ask anybody who's taken the class if they're if they doubt on like how useful this thing really is. Is because well, if you want, you know, the proof is in the pudding. In August, they took this class. In December, they got it right on the ballot. Yeah, 
Well, and so now there's a huge contest on for March, and what is that number going to be? You said you think you can get it up to 85%, 90%. I think it's the lowest the lowest uh, ballot initiatives, because they really do. So they took, so the way that it happened was, was the SREC met up for, a, there's a committee. And so the committee sits down and they deliberate everything. And man, I watched this. They literally argued, um, what does the word tolerate mean? And they would debate it and they'd be back and forth on every single little bit. And they presented 25 or more um, ballot props, but not all of them get voted for. So a lot of them just they they didn't win the vote or, you know, they just said, well, it doesn't have enough. So let's say there's eight votes, but, you know, there was only four for it and then there was you know, three against it or whatever. And it just, it wasn't compelling enough. So they took the ones that had unanimous support. And funny enough, uh, there was only two ballot propositions that had unanimous support from the Republican party. And that was to defend the guard. That was one of them. So ours got automatically moved to the next stages. And so through several rounds, they picked because they don't also don't want to put something that's not going to win you know, or something that people won't understand. So they're like, let's focus on the issues we care about, the issues that make sense to the voters, because also they understand that it drives voters out. And so this is also a recruitment tool to get people out to the ballot. And so they're going to put forward the stuff that makes the most sense and has the highest likelihood of getting voted on. And this is one that they saw as an absolute winner. So on average, a ballot proposition after it's been deliberated for hours for like i don't think they wrapped up until eight o'clock at night and they started at 1 30 and they moved through 25 ballot props circled it down to like 15 circled it back down to 10 then the next day reconvened in the whole body the whole srec came together and then they all voted for it and then they could make amendments and all this stuff so after all of that you know tinkering and all this stuff this is what came forward and that was the one that had no opposition and unanimous support. So when you think about it, the average is 75% of the, you know, most ballot propositions will get 75% when they're good. And, that, and that's 75%. If 75% of the voting population wants this, that tells you a lot, right? So now I, I think something like this, the way it was so easily moved forward is because people want this, they recognize it. I can't imagine it not being even higher. Yeah. So that's my feeling from seeing how how this was handled throughout this process. Mm-hmm. I got a really good feeling it's going to do well. Hey, tell me, man, how much difference does it make when you introduce yourself and say, listen, I'm Diego. I was a ranger in Iraq War II. And this is my thing. Do you introduce yourself that way? Is that like the key to the whole thing or not or what? No, I don't. Uh, I can. Um, I, I kind of keep that. Uh, norm- I don't have to do that. Um, it's almost like if I, you know, it's almost like if you just start pulling that out, you, people go like, all right. Um, but sometimes, you know, like, yeah, example- it's not a gimmick. That's for sure. You know. Yeah. So like, I'll give you a perfect example. Like we were at, I was at CPAC one time a couple of years ago and we were doing a poll on whether we should get out of Afghanistan or not. And believe it or not, over, there was eight people that voted and said that we shouldn't. And I remember the conversation had gone on and he goes, well, you know, as a member of the military, I just don't think that we should be doing stuff like this. And I was like, okay, cool, man. What'd you do? And he's like, oh, uh, you know, uh, 
I'm a, he's like a supply guy. So he hands out blankets and, you know, new boots to the guys and stuff like that. And he's not in it, you know, sitting there, you know, taking fire and any, anything like that. I was like, oh, that's cool. So in an instance like that, maybe you're just like, well, maybe you should talk to the people that have actually gone out there and, and seen some stuff and see if you do that. So that that's more of a, of a place where, where that comes out. It's like, it's funny how you're so brave, but also at the same time, you chose to hand out blankets. So don't get cute now, dude. So it kind of, it, it, if it comes out, it comes out more of a check mm-hmm. rather than like, uh, you know, I'm so cool or whatever. Well, but like introducing yourself to legislators and stuff like that. I know in, in a lot of these hearings that we've done, it's important that you guys get up there and tell them your name well, and serial yeah. number and this kind of deal. So, but I'm not sure. I guess that's what I'm wondering is like, in what context yeah. do you use that stuff? For some reason, I just feel like people know. Yeah. Like, I don't know if that that's weird, but people just kind of like, they, they kind of guess and they're right. And they're like, you were, yeah. And, and so, but if we don't, you know, we say I was in this or I was in that, because again, we identify as, as you want to identify as their tribe and say, we're among your tribe. You know, we are Republicans. We mm-hmm. are members of the military. We are on the right. We are, mm-hmm. nobody here is blue haired with like, you know, dyed armpit hair and just handing out flowers and stuff like that. Like, that's not who we are. Yeah. Um, we're, we're Ron Paulers, but. You, you know, know, one thing I remember from the hearing that we did here in Austin, the one where we had Dan Sharp with us. Is it Dan Sharp? Brian. Brian Sharp. Sorry, Brian. Uh, Brian Sharp came. That one. Yeah. Um I remember it being, you know, mostly in the subtext of, I think the Democrats too, but especially the Republican members of that committee, that they were still like McCain voters, right? They had not, you know, been brought by Donald Trump around to, we don't believe in that anymore, and now we're America first, right? They All that had passed them by, and so skepticism of the war to them still was felt anti-American left-wing hippie commie different outside their sect and it was really important it was shocking and confusing and enlightening and important to them that you guys were all tough guys home from the war come to tell them that actually no man this isn't right. And we, and and not only is it not right, we're willing to go to these lengths to try to stop this from happening again. And that, it, you know, but it, they definitely needed you to bring them to understand that there's another way to look at this. Again, if you like your identity, you could keep it, Mr. Republican. I'm not asking you to move to the left. We're asking you to listen to these conservative Republican war veterans tell you to wise up and... So I think it did work to a degree right there in front of our eyes, but that was what it took. They weren't going to hear that shit from me, man. It was you. Yeah, I think there's a lot, a lot to that. And in fact, I just watched uh, Tucker on on Davy Smith, and one of the things he tells him is like, you gave a lot of people a pass as well to just say, why are we doing this? And a lot of people just need that to be like, wait, so like, I'm not going to turn into like a you know lovey dovey like hippie tomorrow if I'm not for sending our blood and treasure overseas i'm like no you're cool man that you passed the vibe check and they're like oh thank god because this is horrible and now (laughs) they've been getting 
Like this is monst- this is a monstrosity. None of this makes sense. It's not constitutional. It's not fiscally conservative. Like we're sending our best and brightest and arguably our quote bravest, right? Because these are the people that sacrifice in the name of something else. So by no metrics, you know, it doesn't make sense on a conservative issue to send your brave and brightest to then die in a war that doesn't benefit you, that ruins your country. And then at the same time, these conservative parents never end up raising their kids. So they leave fatherless homes back here in the U.S. and all of this stuff. So it has fiscal consequences, family consequences. It's not constitutional. And they're they're just finding like a big relief where they can just say, oh, thank God, because I hate this. Yep. And that's exactly what happened. Absolutely right. Started with Ron Paul. And then Donald Trump made it easier. Tucker Carlson is another one. And you guys are doing it every day. If you like your identity, you can keep it. I ain't asking you to change who you are. Just get smart on this thing. As you say, it's a relief to find out. It sucks, doesn't it, everyone listening? To be stuck in this box where your cousin equates you with Jane Fonda and Michael Moore. And you're like, no, you're stupid, but you're like stuck with this hippie crap from 30 years before you were born or something. How ridiculous is that? Instead, nope. Now you got Ron Paul and Donald Trump and Tucker Carlson, Diego Rivera telling you, look, man, you ain't got to be a hippie to be smarter than to believe in this. Look at what we're doing right now. Look at what we're backing right now. I don't know if you saw, you know, the original poll, I admit, was pretty optimistic. 56, it said, but there was another major poll that came out recently that said half of Republicans want a ceasefire in Israel-Palestine. Yeah. That is just huge. In the, if you grade that on a curve, that's like saying 75 or 80% want a ceasefire, right? If you look at conservative Republican politics over the last generation here. Right. So people are tired of this stuff, man. It's so much better, too, because I remember the narrative coming out you know after early october and how it just felt like oh man is the right gonna sink back into because that'll that'll really mess you up because look man no one's for what they did it's horrible um but you're just thinking like oh man like is this the opportunity that every nikki haley type is just waiting to just they want to grab that bull by the horns and just weaponize it all over again but the narrative could not stick that no matter what they did to tar the reputation of people and saying, oh, you're pro-terrorist if you want this or this, or or even if you just said, do what you will, none of my business. So there was a spectrum of different views, but there was pushback that says like, yeah, I don't care what name you call me. Like, I'm still not going to, to do this. Like, sorry. And that might not exist, like, let's say in Congress where they're incapable of doing the right thing. Hence, Defend the Guard needs to be there. But within the base there's people that just understood it's like it's none of my business like even if they're supportive i can't pay for eggs here i can't pay you know steak is a luxury now here in the united states i'm not sending another hundred billion to some foreign country that's just the reality of it yeah man all right well listen diego you're doing the most important work of anybody in this country i'm your number one fan DefendTheGuard.us is the website. And then tell us, Diego, what's your email address if people want to contact you to get involved? Oh, and by the way, also mention when is the next class and where for people to get involved in? 
So, so yeah, let me, let me put out the websites first. So bring our troops home.us and defend the guard.us. One's the org and that that's where you can um, schedule a class. So if you go, there's a leadership class and you can schedule it and then we'll start communicating. And ultimately what I say is as soon as you get 20 to 25 people, that's, that's enough for me to cover uh, booking the hotels, the venue, the food, the flights, and there's three of us. So we have to fly all three of us get the venue, do all that, pay for it. And so that's that's that gives me enough license to say, hey, Dan, let's go. We're going to Utah or whatever it might be. So you can go set that up. And if and we we will work out a date, uh, whoever signs up and myself will be working this out. We'll get a day scheduled. I'll make sure it works with everybody, all parties involved. And we'll show up. We'll do the school and then we're back out. But but the school, really, if you think that you we need to come out to Michigan or whatever it is, get those that get those 20, 25 people in that room. Let's get it and we'll set it up. So they're we're not just telling you, hey, we're going to be in Michigan in March and then we're going to be in, you know, uh, Vermont in April. It's like, no, you get the people. If you bring them, we will come. So that that's pretty much how that goes. And the website is, again, Bring our troops home.us and defend the guard.us for the legislation. My email, if you want to contact me, um, is Diego at bring our troops home.net. And so you can just email me there. And from there we can we can communicate and and my con my contacts, my communication stays on 24-7 until I work myself out of a job. Hell yeah, man. You're the best. Thank you so much for your time on the show again, Diego. Dude, it's my pleasure. The Scott Horton Show, Anti-War Radio can be heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, APSradio.com, Antiwar.com, ScottHorton.org, and LibertarianInstitute.org.